0: Hello, and welcome to Love in the Time of Everyone, a podcast where we talk about love. How has it changed over the past few generations due to both technology and social shifts? How has the way we think about love and approach love shifted as the world has changed around us? Well, let's talk about it. I'm your host, Emily Deekman. Last week, we met a polycule. To recap, we have M, a man married to C, a non-binary person who sometimes uses feminine pronouns, M and C are both dating A, a woman. A also has a husband named D, and D has a girlfriend, J. Last week, they talked about some of the ins and outs of their relationships, and of their relationship, because they consider themselves all a family. Jealousy happens, but their best weapon against it is open, honest, and pretty much constant communication. Here's Jay, who talks about how being in this relationship has given her an opportunity to explore her sexuality.
1: So yeah, so um, and then I then had the freedom to actually explore other things like my sexuality. I've wondered since I was a kid if I was bisexual, but I've never. I at nineteen immediately got into this long-term heterosexual relationship and got married, so I was never was always one of those like oh maybe, but doesn't really matter. Um, so and then I had the freedom to actually figure all that out and discover that, yeah, boobs are actually pretty great. Like, that's that's a good time. No <laughs> argument here. Agreed. <laughs> I love that this entire room, can. If, if we can agree on nothing else, which we do quite often, we agree on a lot of stuff. We can all agree on boobs. And yeah, like- including my daughter, who was breastfed.
0: Right, so that's where we left off last time, with a baby being introduced into the mix. So C and M who had been married for years before they entered into a relationship with A, had decided some time ago that they wanted to eventually have a baby. When C, in their words, came up a little bit pregnant, they went to go talk to A. Involving A in big life events and decisions like this had always been really important to C and M, because they're trying to avoid this thing in polyamorous circles called unicorn hunting. It's where a committed couple— usually a heterosexual man and a bisexual woman, seek out a third person to invite into their relationship, usually a woman. Here's C. explaining how that can sometimes be problematic.
2: And there's nothing inherently wrong in that except there is a power exchange Mm -hmm. when you are a couple and are looking for a third um, first of all, you know, the word third is a terrible thing to say about a person. Right. Yeah. Second of all, there's something called couples privilege that goes along with that, where um, it's very hard. It's kind of like the CEO asking his secretary out on a date. There's a power exchange there. And when both of your partners act as one and and... You know, come as one or leave as one. If you either get both or neither, you can have a ten. Uh, you can have a tendency to subvert your own needs and put your own needs on hold. So, I fell into a couple uh, that were unicorn. That were I was unicorn hunted quite a bit <laughs> in my early twenties. I actually fell for it once. Never again, though. Um, so that's good. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I was dating a couple who certainly didn't care about my emotional
3: needs. You were a prop for them.
2: Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. broke up with me by not calling me anymore. And when I finally pinned one of them down, they were like, yeah, the other person was supposed to talk to you. We're closing back down. We're not doing uh, the poly and thing And that's anymore. couple's privilege. Yeah. And yes. That's the, couple's privilege. Their relationship comes first and... Right. Uh, That kind of thing. So the fact that um, M and I started dating A while being a couple, we had to have a lot of conversations about like, you know, we're not going to have couples privilege.
0: So that means involving A in discussions like, I'm pregnant. So M and C went to A and were like, we're pregnant. They asked her how much she wanted to be involved. A loves C and M and A loves kids. So her answer was basically, as much as possible. Yeah, A was
2: actually present for her birth. Um, that's
1: not what I'm talking about. Really? No one here thought we had had thought it was no going her were
2: going there. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Well, yes. but she was present for that too. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: but um, yeah, so so we actually A got a girlfriend, a boyfriend, and a baby all at once. It was amazing.
0: For some people, of course, that would not be amazing. That would be a lot, but as Jay explained last week, for some people, love is like a pie. You only have a limited amount. For polyamorous people, love is like fire. The more you give, the more you have. It just spreads and spreads and ignites more love the more things it touches. So adding a baby to the mix, as long as it involved the usual amounts of communication and consideration and respect, actually sounds like a great idea for them. But what about the logistics? There are five adults here. Do they all consider themselves parents to this baby?
2: So um, A is absolutely a parent and uh, J and D are parent adjacent, I guess. Yeah,
1: yeah, we've made up our own terms for D and I because um, this little one's going to have so many aunties and uncles. And mm-hmm. we wanted something that was
2: that showed that they are important beyond just like an auntie and uncle, that they mm-hmm. are they are a co-parent. Yeah. They are co Think co-parents. it was sort of like
3: step parents yeah. or co parents or yeah. what yeah. have you. Um, yeah.
1: But so. she has um, she has three parents. She is the child of the the triad of C, A, and M.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so she calls me and A b- b- both mom, or she will. I'm sorry, or she can't talk. Well,
2: so she'll yeah. Um, uh, a is going to be Mama A, and I'm just
1: Mommy. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, and then she's got two bonus parents. <laughs>
0: That note about bonus parents reminds me of a book I read when I was a kid, where the little girl has divorced parents. She called her and her brother Tutus because they had two of everything. Two houses, two sets of parents, two sets of friends, etc. Divorce can be really hard for kids, but there are some silver linings, like extra parents around to love you. This baby, the baby of a polycule, gets even more extra parents from day one, without any of the trauma of a divorce like the silver lining without the cloud. It kind of seems like a sweet deal. We'll talk more about some of the research behind children of polyamorous relationships later. Right now, I want to tell you about what it was like when the baby first made her appearance.
2: They were actually really great about A being there. Um, I had like one nurse ask, so what's going on? And I was like, well, <laughs> we are a triad. Uh, you know, I that's my husband, that's my girlfriend. They're also dating. And she was like, Great! Right. I'm going to make sure that that there, nobody gives you any grief about A.B.
3: She's like, I'm a millennial; I'll get it. And,
2: and now, <laughs> right, the only time that A couldn't be there was because I had to have an emergency cesarean uh, and mm-hmm. you can only have one person. This was obviously long before COVID. So M could be M was there
1: for the cesarean. And, and then D and I went to the hospital and sat with A in the waiting room. Then he, and then he and then M switched out and, with
2: A so that she could come and meet me and or meet the baby and give me a kiss. And yep.
0: So then there were six. I learned another new term from C as she was describing the way their relationship works.
2: Well, we're, I mean, <laughs> the, uh, you and I are kind of what's called what's known as polyfy.
3: Polyfy, exactly.
2: Yeah, uh, you are. Um, uh, Fidelity. you have fidelity, towards, Fidelis, yeah. Yeah, towards uh towards your polycule essentially. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and and part of that is because we do have a ten month old. Um
3: Yeah, there's just not enough time. <laughs> <that Yeah>. <laughs> the
2: dance card <part> is full. <laughs> yeah. Between having between having a husband, a girlfriend and a baby, I uh I'm I'm Good. tapped out. Right. I'm yeah. Tapped out. Yeah.
0: That is a lot to handle. But at the same time, there are a lot of people to handle it. So it's kind of a double edged sword. It's like five people and a baby to take care of, but then it's also like, oh there are five people to take care of this baby
3: we've we've had we've had monogamous couples that we've talked to <laughs> who have expressed their jealousy at the fact that it is very difficult for the two of them to deal with their one baby and they are
1: five adults
3: and we have five adults minimum four. you know one,
2: one of fun. whom you know well actually. All three of the women have extensive experience with
1: young children.
3: (laughs) And Um, we still are underwater. Like,
1: please understand. I work with children. I'm a public health nurse. And my focus is maternal child health. Uh, I I used to be uh, an
2: early childhood preschool teacher for the age my child currently is.
1: Mm. Um, And A has worked in early childhood development. and,
2: And I was a nanny for
1: a while, so. Yeah, so like we're, no yeah. we're spoiled. Yeah, well, we're like, how do, how do two people? We have five people, and sometimes this is
3: hard. Yeah, hard. How, do <laughs> two
1: how, how do two do people
3: this? do it? Uh, our friends actually said the same thing. They were like, you know,
1: we have thought, yeah,
3: thought about getting a girlfriend <laughs> just so that we've got someone to help with the baby.
0: Anyway, about that research I was telling you about there's this woman named Elizabeth Chef. She's a lecturer at the University of Tennessee and a PhD in sociology, and she studied this stuff a lot. In fact, her website identifies her as, quote, the foremost international expert on children in polyamorous families, end quote. I'm not going to argue. She did this longitudinal study over 25 years about kids growing up in polyamorous families, then wrote a whole book about it called The Polyamorous Next Door. Here are some of the main advantages of raising kids in polyamorous families, at least according to Chef's findings. First is the practical aspect, There are literally just more people around to help out. For a baby, that means more people to change diapers, get up with the baby in the middle of the night, and so on. For older kids, it means extra folks who can give them rides, help out with homework, give them five bucks. They also have great communication skills modeled for them. On the downside, there's less privacy, and it's definitely harder to get away with anything sneaky when you have more than two parental figures in the house. Polyamory is still somewhat stigmatized, so as kids get older, some mentioned facing probing questions from adults, like, who's that woman with your mom and dad? Or some mentioned wanting to have a quote-unquote normal family. Jokes on them, I guess. I don't think there is such a thing as a normal family, but I digress. Anyway, as Chef points out, these disadvantages aren't unique to polyamorous families. Lots of different kinds of families have little privacy face stigmas, or have kids who feel like they've got way too much supervision. For that matter, the advantages aren't necessarily unique to polyamorous families either. Lots of kids grow up in households where good communication skills are modeled for them, or where they live with their aunts and uncles or grandparents, or other folks who act as parental figures in some capacity. In the end, the kids in Chef's study all seem to turn out just fine. As Chef put it, quote, the children and young adults who have participated in my research are generally in great shape, by which I mean they are articulate, intelligent, thoughtful, and capable young people. Although their lives are not perfect, they largely feel equipped to deal with life's challenges, both with their own internal resources and with support from others. End quote. And hey, what else can you really ask for, right? Still, even if it doesn't bother you at all, Life might be just a little bit easier without the worry about what people will think of your mom and your dad and your mom and anyone else who's around. This is one reason this polycule is interested in ending the stigma surrounding polyamorous relationships. Here's D. Uh,
3: In in other aspects of my life, my motto is always the more people you meet that do a thing, the more likely you are to then ask about that thing. And the more likely that thing is going to be a positive to you instead of a negative, you know, you're more likely to accept LGBTQ people. When you know, LGBTQ people, you are more likely to accept people of alternative religions. When you know someone of alternative religions, I think as, as more people know a polyamorous person, they are more likely to contact them and say, I'm really interested in finding out about that. You know, message them and say, hey, we're kind of struggling with that same idea. Can I ask you questions? Or get a hold of them and say, hey, can I interview you and your polycule for my uh, radio show?
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I'm glad they did come on the show. There's some pretty funny stuff about being in a polycule, like awkwardly navigating the situation with their parents. In fact, Jay's mom is the only parent in the whole group who has the full picture of exactly what's going on.
1: Uh, and my mom took a minute to understand what was happening, but it's totally cool with it. She's awesome. So, yep. you know, we had Christmas up at my house, and my mom was there, and the whole family was there, and my roommate was there, and it was great. It was Jay's
3: mom was a delight. Yeah. Oh yeah. Way. Oh yeah. She cracked me up.
1: Yeah. She's a oh, lot of fun. Oh, and she loved that baby. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Well, and I, I don't. Currently plan to have children, so she gets a step-grandbaby. So, that's a sweet deal. That's
2: actually an interesting (laughs) thing to bring up, is my parents, this is A, my parents do not know, uh, they don't Mm -hmm. know
1: that I'm bisexual, they... They, they don't know. know. They don't, they don't
3: know, know, but they know. They know they Let's don't. be clear. They're like, hey, so how is your husband? Great. How is your how? How is, how is C and M and your baby? I mean, the baby. Yeah, they know. They just don't know. <laughs> they just don't want to say so it out we, loud. We
1: refer to my parents as Grammy
2: and Grandpa of a baby that they think is not theirs. But I'm, I'm her parent. So it's, it's hard sometimes to be like, yes, she's not my baby. Mm-hmm.
0: Explaining polyamory to loved ones can be difficult. And at least partly, I can see why. Even for the people in the polycule, there's just a lot to keep track of. So it must be a lot for a loved one to take in and keep track of too. There's this story on the website, The Cut, of a woman telling her mom she's polyamorous and her mom just teasingly calling her a hog. As in, she's hogging all of the lovers. She even says, some people can't get a date on a Friday night, and you have three. So yeah, maybe polyamory means having an awkward conversation or awkwardly dancing around a conversation with your family. But it also means getting a whole new set of family members to love and to deal with, for better or for worse. Here's what Jay has to say about it.
1: Yeah, my when I was in monogamous relationship, I didn't get 3 additional relationships to navigate by dating one person. And I I'm not in a relation a romantic or sexual relationship with my the other 3, but we have very close relationships that we still have to navigate. Absolutely. And
2: yeah, I started I I got a brother and a sister when I started dating A. You
1: know? Yeah, and we that's that's not something that you realize that you're signing up for, it, but you are. And we're, you know, we have current struggles that we're trying to figure out that are made much harder because there are five of us. And that, like they've said, it's, it's on hard mode and we are willing to, to figure those, those things out because we have formed this family that we all love and we want to, to make work. And on, so, the,
3: and on the flip side, we've seen the exact The exact opposite thing that there are certain things that would have been made harder without having this family unit, you know, such as taking care of the child, such as, you know, that the pandemic, you know, we know people who are one or two people to a household during this pandemic and are going absolutely nuts. Mm-hmm. We have yeah. multiple people that can help, you know, get get food shopped for and, you know, take care of of kids while someone else does work, etc., which would not be an option and I think a lot of people, you know, like like we've said, people have mentioned, wow, wouldn't that be so much easier? I wish I could do that, but I could never because x y and z. I think that stigma is always going to keep people from trying it and realizing it's not for them or is
0: so like any relationship there's good stuff like game nights inside jokes and snuggling there's bad stuff like jealousy and little arguments and logistical issues and there's all the other in between everyday stuff too like grocery shopping and unloading the dishwasher and trying to find your keys i thought M summed it up pretty nicely
3: once you take away the mystique, it's just a big group of people holding hands at the farmers market. It's
0: nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: like, oh, I miss farmers markets.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like there's nothing. Like we're serious. weird AF, but for a whole lot of other reasons, like we're just a family of weirdos. Yeah, trying to do our thing, kind of.
0: <laughs> so there you go, polyamory demystified, or at least if it was mystifying for you, it's a little bit less mystifying now maybe. Thank you so much to J D A C M and Baby Girl for being so fun and open as they shared their story with me. Thank you as always to Bridget Thumb, Kathy Rivers and Gabriella Yadagari for the podcasting help. The beautiful theme music you're hearing is off the EP Spine by Local Kindergartener, which is available on Bandcamp and which is so wonderful. If you like the show, please, if you're able to, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. You can follow the podcast to see photos and more, and reach out at Love and the Time of Everyone on Facebook.